0: Do you live on a
1: floodplain? The answer may be, maybe. In the next two weeks, Lake Ontario is predicted to rise to levels that exceed the record set just two years ago. Meanwhile, in the next year, the federal government will be releasing updated maps outlining newly researched floodplains. And these reallocations could have a drastic effect on real estate values. So what does this mean for your home, your biggest investment? or your cottage? And what about insurance? Uh, The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we are beginning with Blair Feltmate, and he's the head of the Intact Center for Climate Change at the University of Waterloo. Hi there, Blair. Hello. Uh, so, um, tell me about this process of redoing the floodplain maps. I mean, they are, after all, about twenty five years
2: old. That's correct. So, the the floodplain maps right across Canada are twenty twenty five years out of date. Uh, they are being brought up to date rapidly, and then uh, starting at the end of this year, two thousand and nineteen, and and into two thousand and twenty, they will become uh, publicly available in user friendly form that pretty much anybody can turn to online and look at and determine whether or not they're in an area that's prone to flooding versus not. So um, uh, we should see these coming out in the next year.
1: Okay, uh, and Just in general, um, how many areas would you say that were not considered floodplains or, uh, you know, they weren't when people bought their houses, however many years ago? how How many very unpleasant surprises are people going to get through this process?
2: Well, we don't know the exact number, but I can say for sure that from literally Halifax to Victoria... Right across the country, you're going to see a lot of people that are their homes are now designated to be in high-flood-risk areas or on floodplains. That will be a surprise to them. Um, And what will be particularly surprising is that you will have somebody who's lived in an area, let's say, for 30, 35 years and has never experienced flooding, that all of a sudden we're saying, oh, gee, your, your home is in a floodplain, and they'll say, well, that's nonsense. And then all of a sudden, sometime in the next five years, that area gets flooded, and they are asking, well, what's going on? And what people have to realize is that the weather of the past is not a good predictor of the weather of the future, and that areas that might not have experienced flooding in the past may very well be uh, vulnerable to flooding today.
1: Okay. Uh, And uh, what's your involvement in this process, Blair?
2: I spend a great deal of my time, or at least the intact Centre collectively, we spend a great deal of time focusing on flood risk mitigation for Canada. What can we do, given the advent of the bigger storms coming and the potential for flooding, to take risk out of the system? So we develop codes and standards, guidelines, best practices uh, that can be deployed practically and cost-effectively to mitigate flood risk at the level of the individual home. What can you do as a homeowner around your house, the outside of the property and in the basement itself? to lower the probability of you ending up with a flooded basement and then at the level of uh, existing communities that are vulnerable to flooding what measures can we put in place to again practically and cost effectively mitigate flood risk at the level of the community and then the final area is focusing on when we build new communities going forward what are the fundamental features and characteristics that we can put in place for those new communities to lower the probability that people who buy in those communities will experience flooding. And and by the way, the number one mandate in that regard is don't build on a floodplain.
1: Okay. I'd like to bring in John Jarvis. He's with REMAX Real Estate Muskoka, and uh, he operates in Bracebridge and Muskoka, which has been really heavily affected by the flooding. John Jarvis, thanks so Bye. much for being with us.
0: Oh, you're welcome, Libby. Uh, glad to be here.
1: So yeah. what is it doing to uh, properties and property values in your area?
0: Well, it's it's only been um, it's only been a month, so it's I think the question is um, it's obviously a negative effect. Um you know, traditionally it's the um, it's the same I think what the difference was over 2013 and 16 is that there's the same traditional areas uh, along some of the major rivers that are always flooding, but it was, you know, you know, a hundred percent more than normal from all the other past years. And um, so it's, it's, def- it's definitely a, a negative effect uh, in the area, especially along the floodplain and uh, on some, some of the major lakes that rose up three and four feet. It's, I think it's, it's only been a month, so it's too early to tell the exact, um, well, it's a month to, to quantify it, but uh, but I think in the next um, six months, as we see some data come through, you're going to see a negative effect, so, for sure.
1: I mean, it's 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 a month this year, but it's been a number of years where I hear anecdotally stories of people who lose their docks, they lose their beaches. Uh, right. There's erosion. Uh, I mean, right. so far, has the impact? How, what's the impact been so far? And do you have a projection?
0: Um, it's, um, other, other than it being negative, uh, but there's, there's such a varied degree of real estate and there's such a, you're talking, you're talking many lakes and many areas of rivers and it's, it's, um, it it just, there's, and then there's so many different types of properties and, and values based on how much frontage is on, on the water. So there's, there's so many variables, Libby, it's just hard to sh- throw a dart and hit a number, you know, okay. at this point. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. Yeah. I'd like to bring in Pete Georges from the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Hi, Pete. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Libby. Always a pleasure. Okay. So <laughs> what's the deal with, with insurance? First of all, is is flood insurance included in home insurance or do you have to buy it separately as a rider? Well,
3: overland flood insurance is an option that people may be able to purchase as an add on to their policies. Standard policies don 't come with overland flood insurance, nor do they come with sewer backup insurance
1: okay and uh, are are people aware of that?
3: We think they are because uh, we've seen the take-up rate uh, for overland flood insurance uh, hit about 30% in the range of 30-35% uh, throughout Canada. So it's only a recent uh, add-on to insurance policies as well. I, I should note that it wasn't until... About 2015, a couple of years after we saw the tremendous flooding that happened in Calgary uh, and High River, uh, that uh, the demand for that type of insurance product really uh, grew, and so insurance companies started to offer it. But there are limitations.
1: Such as? Such as
3: proximity. If, if you are living in an area that has recurring flooding, uh, and, and you know it's a, a situation that every year, uh, we see this in northern Ontario in a community called Kesheshawan, yep. every spring with the fresh shed up there, the community is evacuated out and then brought back later when the floodwaters recede. And, and the government says this isn't right, this isn't tenable, this isn't appropriate for a community, and they're looking at at uh, moving that community away from that floodplain. And and from an insurance perspective, again, insurance is there for those things that are sudden and accidental. If it's recurring every year, every other year, um, it loses that accidental factor. And so it's no longer something that insurance companies and, and government, even through their disaster relief programs, want to continue to put money into.
1: Well, we're seeing in Quebec, in Gatineau, the government is offering people $200,000 to relocate. People, of course, are saying $200,000 does not cover the value of my house. But, uh, suddenly, if you're stuck with this, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, who knows what you're going to get for your house or if you will be able to sell it.
3: And that's a valid point. I was up in Ottawa last week uh, where the municipality had some flood recovery information sessions. And there was a question from an audience member asking uh, if the Ontario government would follow suit with what the Quebec government is doing. So there is some interest there. And not every property uh, is a multi million dollar property in some of these communities. And so uh, it's an average amount. And I think uh, the government still needs to determine what they're going to do uh, here in Ontario in terms of uh, an option, but uh, they seem to be uh, of the mindset that something needs to be done, and they're actually holding some conversations. Uh, There's some happening at the end of this week in Pembroke in Ottawa, and they met in Huntsville last week with municipal leaders and provincial government folks, and the Insurance Bureau was there too uh, to have this discussion. What do we need to do?
1: Uh, John, have your clients yeah. been experiencing high insurance rates or increases?
0: Our clients, um, well, generally, like we're not in the um, we're not in the insurance business, but uh, we we always recommend two or three um, insurers to go with or to at least get quotes from. But uh, yeah, I have been because of flooding. Yes, that I'm seeing um, re- people. People having less choices on who will insure them and, um, and prices are rising from what I hear in general. Let's go to
1: the phones. We've got Jesse in Hamilton. <laughs> Hi, Jesse.
0: Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm well. I just want to, uh, mention to, uh, some of the people listening out there that a lot of the cities that we live in used to be, uh, like wetlands or marshlands. Like I know Hamilton, a big portion of it is basically like a swamp. And that uh, like a lot of, uh, a lot of the areas that we built on used to be wetlands. But another risk that people weren't thinking about in terms of flooding isn't necessarily from like the rivers or from the lakes, but it's also from um, the city
2: sewers.:
1: uh, Sewer backup. Yeah, Blair feltmate, uh, it is Hamilton or parts of Hamilton uh, now currently in the floodplain, and will that increase when those maps come out, you figure?
2: Well, Hamilton's had a history of flooding. That's that's for sure. And the uh, Jesse, I believe it is, is quite correct. There's two two factors uh, contributing to increased flooding in uh, the Hamilton area. One is the fact that you know, overall we're just getting uh, more storms of greater magnitude, more precipitation coming down over shorter periods of time, and then it's combined with the fact of loss of natural infrastructure. Um, when we used to have uh, forests fields, uh, wetlands present, that gave an area for the water to go to, to absorb and, and percolate down into the groundwater system or discharge, store and, and just discharge slowly downstream. But in southern Ontario, overall, just going a little bit beyond Hamilton, uh, over the course of the last 100 years, we've removed about 73% of the natural infrastructure that was originally here 100 years ago. It's now gone. It's been built over. Are turned into some form of agricultural development. So it's, and when water hits pavement or agricultural development, it doesn't absorb quickly into the groundwater system or store. It flows off quickly, uh, almost immediately in time, which contributes to flooding. So when you have bigger storms, more water coming down over a shorter period of time and less capacity to store it, we get more flooding. And Hamilton's one of those areas that's been particularly hard yet, but it's not unique. This is a phenomena right across the province.
1: Pete, if a house is rezoned into a floodplain, do you have any idea yet how much of an insurance increase that would entail?
3: No, and and quite honestly, um, it depends on the situation there. Uh, We know that there are high-risk properties that may be uninsurable for water, overland water insurance. So it's not just even if there are increases, might there be a a growth in the number of properties that are deemed to be uninsurable or so high risk? And so uh, we're trying to work with various provincial governments and federal government to look at those types of properties that are high risk from an insurance standpoint. But I also wanted to go back on, on a point that, that Blair just made and highlight for people. And, and we, we see this every day. You walk up and down many streets, especially in urban centers like Toronto, and front lawns are being replaced with parking pads and pavements, and homes are being built uh, to the maximum size of these lots, and we're losing green space. That water was able to accumulate and and, and be filtered down into the natural infrastructure, and now it's going into people's basements. And we're seeing that from an insurance standpoint in terms of the number of claims. And so it's an issue that you know, we well, all have as a whole of society need to address. The,
1: the people who regulate development, because uh, here in Toronto, just when some of the developers had a little bit of the brakes put on them by abolishing the OMB, looks like that is coming back and uh, developers like to develop. What can I say? Well, it, we need
3: to look at, you know appropriate development and making sure because uh, the water uh, as it goes through the you know natural infrastructure natural lakes rivers and streams those paths have been there before we were, before we developed our cities. And so in many cases in Toronto, if you look at some of the the maps out there, there are numerous rivers and streams that have been buried in our city that still are there today. You look at the water level. Where I
1: live, very high up, but the old Tattle Creek runs under where I live.
3: Tattle Creek, Garrison Creek, there's so many creeks in the city. Is that a problem?
1: Well, it is when
3: it ends up backing up into your basement and oh. properties and, and people want to create more living space and try and max it. So there's some conflicts here that need to be resolved. And that and that's why, is it government's position? Is it the industry's position? Homeowners uh, and, you know, academics uh, like Blair and, and the Intact Climate Center, we all have to work together to get a grip on the, this problem.
1: Okay. John Jarvis, Hi. I know you can't uh, quantify this, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that is, is this injecting uncertainty both on the buy and sell side in your area. I mean, I'm sure it's had an impact.
0: It will. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to um, uh, Blair's comment about getting the new um, uh, floodplain maps. That's because we're working off old historical data. So, um, yeah, we need all the most up-to-date current information on floodplains, and we can determine, um, you know, what impact it's gonna have going forward and uh, I think once we have those new maps it'll it'll lessen the uncertainty so it's
1: well it's, do you, have you found uncertainty among your clients already buying or selling
0: hundred percent yes hundred percent yeah with the uh, the amount of local press and national press about uh, Muskoka Halbert, and Minden oh absolutely yeah yeah people are what I'm, what I'm wondering is that maybe, maybe properties that are not, not on, not on the uh, system, not on the big river systems, maybe those properties will go up in value. Um, so it's, there's, yeah, there, there is a lot of uncertainty right now for and sure. Do lady. you think
1: yeah. that, that people have, uh, jumped in to say sell if they think they will be in a, in a floodplain earlier than they may have planned to otherwise?
0: Potentially, yes. Yeah, potentially, uh, it's, um, that could happen. I I agree with you. Yeah. People, people that are close, you're, you're talking about people that are close to a floodplain, but not in the floodplain. Um, yeah, that could happen. That could happen. And, um, time will tell, uh, what, um, you know, what, you know, it it always comes, we're, we work in in a free market. So we need all the information we can get for people to make, um, to make these decisions. So
1: what about people who live on those little islands or who have cottages there?
0: Um, I haven't heard, I haven't heard, um, islands are, yeah, that's a good point. It's going to depend, I guess it'll come in with these new floodplain maps. If the, if they will cover islands, um, there is a lot, a lot of island cottages in our area. And, um, I, I, Honest to God, I I think, Libby, a lot of a lot of islands are so remote, uh, people may not know uh, if their cottages were flooded or not. To tell you the truth. Okay,
1: uh, we've yes. got to start wrapping things up here. Pete, what would you like to leave us with?
3: Well, I think it's important that we focus as, as homeowners and as residents on things that uh, Blair touched on before, adaptation and mitigation, uh, especially uh, if you are in an area that you're concerned about the potential for flood risk. Yes, insurance is, is one aspect of that, but also look around your property uh, within it and outside of it and see if there are steps that you can take uh, to minimize and mitigate and adapt to what we're seeing in terms of water and, and more more of it everywhere and so try we all have a role to play as homeowners we need to uh, be mindful of that as well
1: and check your policy to see if you're covered for flooding
3: always you know it's an optional coverage don't assume it's there have that conversation with your insurance representative uh, to make sure that the coverage that you have on your policy or what's available to you is what you need
1: and blair feltmate what are you telling people or what could you tell people as they prepare as we prepare to get these new flood maps
2: Uh, two, two quick points. Number one is don't assume that just because you're not in a floodplain that you can't have flooding. If you own a home somewhere where it rains, you're subject, you, you are vulnerable to flooding, period. And if people want to know specifically what to do to help protect their home, what they can do this weekend to better prepare their home for, uh, to, to make it such that the probability of having a flooded basement is lower, if they go to our website, the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation, on the top row, it'll come up automatically. It'll present them with 15 things you can do around the outside of your property and in the basement itself to lower the probability of having a flooded basement. These are very user-friendly, doable things. So um, in tax center and climate adaptation, It spells it out very clearly. If you own a home, you should be doing these things around your home to lower the probability of having a flooded basement.
1: Okay, those honey-do lists for the weekend, (laughs) everyone. Thank you so much, all of you. And again, I'm pretty sure this is a subject we will be revisiting as we get more information. Thank you to Blair Feltmate, John Jarvis, and Pete Georges.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Libby. Thank
0: you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio heard weekdays from noon to 1. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads